We are one town. Uh, we are Franklin. And we need to work together to develop a budget strategy as we move forward. And we need the cooperation from all boards. We need the cooperation from the school committee and the school administration. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.fm, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial at home, in the car, 102.9, here today with a combo session, albeit a short one, with, we'll talk Franklin with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Steve. And since there was a council meeting last night, we'll combine it with our council quarterbacking session with our council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, good morning. Good morning. It seems like we just left each other. Uh, it was not that long ago. No, <laughs> I'm in the same place I was last night. We didn't go home. <laughs> you just rolled up, went to the upstairs and laid out and then recovered this morning. <laughs> or as Griffin Ty told me last night, my attic home. <laughs> Your attic home. Yes. So in terms of what just happened for the council meeting last night, um, there was a friendly 40B proposal that came to the council after having spent you know, a couple of hours at the EDC meeting a couple of weeks ago, but it ended up not so friendly a reception last night. Well, I, you know, I guess I would say that uh, I'm not sure I describe it as not so friendly, but there were certainly some questions and concerns uh, from the council as far as uh, the process and who and what we have the authority to do, what we don't have the authority to do, uh, and the position that the applicant is in. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks out there which was a concern for some of the council. Uh, others uh, just gen generally don't like the project on that location as it is industrial property. And, you know, obviously we'd like to get as much industry in here as we possibly can. But um, as I'm sure most people are aware, that piece of property has been for sale for got at least 10, if not 15 years uh, as an industrial piece. And nobody has bought it because it's just not suitable for an industrial project uh, because of the wetlands associated with it. So, uh, and there's traffic concerns and so forth, but uh, the real uh my issue with it or my the positive things that I see about it is it helps our SHI number. As we all know, uh, we are currently over 10%, but by the time we get to 2029 or 2030, uh, we could be under the 10%. Mm -hmm. And that creates a whole new wave of issues if once you're under that 10%, uh, you really, the town really loses control as to who can build what and where and how big. 
in this particular case, it would have given us uh, an opportunity or would give us an opportunity uh, to really put ourselves in a good position with our 10% number, at least for the next 10 years, uh, uh, by bringing this project on, uh, where we have a known entity in the uh, contractor. Uh, they were the same contractor that built uh, Station 117. So there were a lot of some positives, some negatives. Uh, uh, unfortunately for the applicant, the uh, uh, motion to have the town administrator start the paper or send the positive paperwork to the state failed on a four to five vote. Yeah, and that that I think is and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the friendly forty B was introduced last July. Um, going through my notes, technically, I don't think the council ever voted to approve it. It was just discussed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, I don't think also the council really didn't need to propose to approve it per se. This was really the first chance that they had in it's formally discussing an application according to that process. Yeah, the, the 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 process for DHCD and in the statute, Mark uh, Attorney Sorrell mentioned it last night. Um, you know, I could file the paperwork, right? The problem is, is in statute, that's generally seen as the mayor, okay? Right. And we're a city form of government. We're a hybrid form of government. Correct. We are a we are the hybrid form of government. And it's very unique in Massachusetts, what we do. I think most mm -hmm. people are listeners are aware of that. Nationally, what we do here, this is the this is what every area around the country does. Um, and so, um, you know, I do feel uncomfortable knowing that we have a unique hybrid form of government um, to just be in that class. I am not a mayor. I'm just flat out not a mayor. I'm not close to being a mayor. No. And I will never draw any th difference from that ever unless somehow the community changed the charter for some reason. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, our hybrid form of government honors the check and balance between the chief executive officer, myself, and the town council. And to do it on my own is, in my view, just just really not authentically in the spirit of the town charter. And I think it does set up for a greater friction in the community where there would be no accountability to some degree um, about what the, the town administrator is doing. Um, right. The second point I make is um, Tom's right. I mean, I think, I think it actually was a friendly response. Um, traffic and wetlands uh, are clearly the two biggest issues. And the proponent knows they haven't done the traffic studies yet. And they're still working through conservation on some difficult wetlands issues. So I think, I think some of the hesitancy, if that stuff had been cleared up, um, which is not where the process is at, by the way, um, that stuff will go before the ZBA. You know, I, I, I do wonder if there would have been maybe some additional support based on the mitigation of those issues um, from the council. Four to five vote is very rare, almost non-existent. Um, and a five to four vote is almost non-existent. Um, right. But I think it does show a split in a 50-50 nature of the challenge of housing, right? We all know we need it. Some of the logistics are difficult. Sometimes the politics are challenging. Sometimes the public relations are challenging. 
And everyone's dancing around an issue that the state of Massachusetts is grappling with at a 50-50 level too. So I think this is actually commensurate with what people's feelings are in town, in the region, and in the state around housing. Um, and I think it all kind of came out last night, I thought, in a very, I thought it was a very good public conversation. So, um, you know, where they go from here, um, they're going to end up, I, I, I would imagine, continue on through the process. It does slow it down a little bit. And as cited last night, they can still go to the Zoning Board of Appeal for the various uh, variances and waivers. Um, and, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, maybe down the road, and I can't speak, you know, too far down there, but, you know, maybe down the road as some of these issues with traffic and wetlands kind of get um, calcified and solidified, you know, maybe maybe there's some part of the process that, you um, that gets reintroduced. I don't know. Uh, we haven't had, really had a lot of time to, to think about it. But I think from you saw last night a very divided group, which reflects a divided community. We know we need affordable housing. We need right. housing. No one's well, building anything anywhere, period. by the way. Period. We need housing, period. period. Luxury, right. low yeah. end, high end, you name it. Um, 10%, under 10%, 20%. I mean, it's just a very hard market. Um and and part of the, the I still believe because we live in a supply and demand system in Massachusetts and in Franklin, you you end up paying supply and demand. And the hard truth to a lot of people is people do have the money to pay the rent. They just don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And, and, I, and I think the other piece of this uh, that we shouldn't uh, obviously lose sight of is. Uh, as we move forward with our 2024 budget, 2025 budget, and so forth, new growth is a huge part of uh, how we handle budgets year to year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the increases that are needed year to year. And there's not a whole lot of land left no. in Franklin no. uh, to build on. And as... No. We alluded to last night, I think, you know, whether it was a week ago or whenever it was, there were only four houses on the market, single family homes on sure. the market in Franklin. Yep. Station 117, full, you know, Upper Union Street, full, uh, all of these. Westerly, uh, full. Westerly, yep. full. These places are all full. Where is the new growth going to come from? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and those and my, dollars, those dollars are really needed. <laughs> well, and that's where I come down on the end, and that's why I deliberately chose, you know, not so friendly in my headline this morning. <laughs> you know, I did mix the metaphor. The town council whiffed, using a baseball terminology, on okay. an easy layup, mixing it with a basketball term, <laughs> to bring more capital affordable housing. And there's a difference. And we've talked about the capital affordable, which is devised by Fed and state law versus what we know is really affordable. Mm -hmm. We blew it. And yeah. the bottom line is that property has given us, I think it was said 13,000. So even if it's 15,000, we could have gained in neighborhood of 750 to 800,000 for it. And we yeah. need a budget. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And, and and not only that, I know we're going to transition to last week's joint budget subcommittee, which I think Chair Mercer was possibly referencing in terms of the revenue issue. Exactly. You know, but but also there's a human element that that I think did come out last night, but is a piece that is really harsh, is that 
you know, that was 70 some odd units of deeded permanent affordable units. Those are the units to get a leg up. Those are units that are luxury apartments being rented out at a far lesser rate. And so for some folks, 70 families ultimately are getting shut out of something that they likely really need. And Councillor Sheridan mentioned something quickly to me kind of offline, you know, which, uh, you know, I really, you know, I think he's always very in touch with the human element. You know, people need a place to live. I mean, what a basic right. Yes. And I think Beacon Hill, to be a little critical, Congress, I think everybody's whiffing (laughs) on this. No one wants to deal with it. It's like the MBTA. It's almost as bad. It's the Facebook. We're so we have such an inability to deal with a challenge that is such a basic, principled, almost human right, Mm -hmm. like clothing. You need a roof over your head. Yeah. And um, this state is so affluent, and this state is so highly educated. How come we can't figure this out, Steve? I, you know, that's I'm questioning my own role in this because (laughs) seriously good (laughs) we all should reflect having done what i've done for 15 years and we still get to a point where we don't make progress on two key pieces and Mm -hmm. i've alluded to the one this was a clear budget choice if we truly need money this is easy money no Mm -hmm. other ways around it Mm -hmm. the second piece if we truly want to get to affordable and picking up on one of the council comments or actually multiple council comments they were objecting to apartments. Well, the state regulations are such that if it's the 75, we get to count the 300 to the, to the supportable housing index or SHI. SHI, yeah, 10%. If those maybe. were p- private residences, we would only count the 70. Right. I'm sorry. I'd rather have the 300 and then stay above 40B. Otherwise, the door is open at some point in time. And it was mentioned last night. Madeline we dropped Village. below by one. The door's open. Madeline Village, Chestnut Street, Perfect. all the projects people hate the most. That's what you get. Yeah. You know, so I I'm I, I would continue on a rant. We have short time. I'll keep my rant aside. I, I still say it was. This not is why a people listen, Steve. It's for this kind of stuff. Piece going <laughs> yeah. forward, if another developer wants to have a friendly 40B discussion, they're gonna look at that and they say, ah, oh, no, they didn't they didn't want to continue with discussion. And that's what the entire process was designed to do. Mm -hmm. They would Mm -hmm. have a conversation, which they did. To their credit, they went to EDC. They came last night. They're incorporating feedback. The process still needs to work. And we didn't give them anything more. Yeah. I'm sorry. And as I said said to them last night, uh, I really appreciated the effort that they've made in trying to uh, be as communicable as possible with all of our different boards. And we actually, Jamie and I actually had a conversation with them, asking them to be part of that EDC meeting Mm -hmm. uh, a week ago where, or two weeks ago when they uh, actually, the EDC was presented with what the 40B process was. We asked them, they then come in after that, and uh, and actually have one followed right in with it, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, my, if anything, I would have changed, and obviously it would have been a longer night, but I think that 40B presentation should have 
been made to the other five who were not part of that discussion to help frame it properly in that. But obviously yeah. that's, we, we did, we did. It was a long meeting anyway. And yeah, it'll still get discussed. The only saving grace is ZBA. The only board of appeals um, may still be able to approve it and will still win from a community perspective, but time. Yeah, and tell. I think what, but I think the question is going to be, what does that take shape? You know, oh, is it the yeah. same level of affordable units? Um, is the mitigation going to be properly documented or, yep. you know, there is, you know, I think, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes again. I think it's yep. more of a 50 50 and I think the chair would agree. There was some support there. Yes. And we don't want to sniff at yep. that either. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, there was some strong support. I'll, you know, throw it out. Councillor Hamlin had a tremendous amount of strong support as the chair and I know seeing her this morning and, and overnight and, you know, texting and, and I think Councillor Frangel, I think, you know, Councillor Sheridan, I think there was a lot of support, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to sniff at that either. Um, no. I think well, that, I, that I, is important. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll try to keep my other personal feelings out of this. I'm just reporting <laughs> on it. Right. <laughs> But to your point, Steve, in a minute ago, and it, it does gel nicely into the joint budget subcommittee last week of the FinCom Finance Committee, School Committee, and Com Council got together, um, and we saw a $5.7 million deficit. Now, to be clear, um, it's a big number. Why did I do that? Because that was the wish list. Um, and the big enchilada was the school district basically not asking for 7.18% increase, but saying level service will be 7.18%. They later reframed that. And I think you'll see that at their budget hearing in a couple of weeks that they really need like 4.2%. It's still too much. Right. It, right. The reality is even at 4.2%, that's a $3 million increase out of 3.4 million in new revenue. Right. So yeah, I have to highlight that you know, when we look at the deficit, you know, I will close that, um, you know, regional dispatch will go down a little bit because of the grant, um, the capital funding that Councillor Cormier Ledger and Councillor Pellegri have asked for a lot of that will be sliced out, but some of it will still be in my budget proposal. Um, there are other areas other than just the schools that will be reduced. Um, debt and interest is going down to a microscopic level, which is not a good thing, but yet yeah. it still does leave more room for this. I just have to say, Steve, and it's best on your show, and, and the, I know the chair will summarize this too. You know, there were probably some comments I made at the meeting that maybe got people a little shocked. I just have to say, it is true. The, the public school district is skating on thin ice. And there are some realities that the cost drivers that they're seeing in terms of personnel, out of district placement, inflation, you know, um, you know, uh, buses, contracts, all this stuff is just simply out exceeding those cost drivers are exceeding the enrollment based reductions that they're making. Right. When you look at the factoids, yep. nine million more they spend today than the whole than the net school spending requirements. So in other words, we're spending as a district nine million more than what we're required to by law. The charter school, tough, tough topic. Yep. Five years ago. Miriam confirmed it at the meeting. We were paying 3.8 million. Now we're up to almost six. Yep. Okay. Um, when you look at the enrollment decline, it's projected in about five years, they'll have lost over a third of the students in 20 years. Right. There are just some realities. Teacher retention, the four, four and four contract. We understand that like teachers deserve a lot more money. No one's opposing 
a lot more money for teachers. Everybody deserves to get paid a lot more of what they've done, especially our staff who really are amazing. There's just this story though, I think that's there that we're not sure what the real game plan is. There's some factoids and some trends that show the, the district needs more money for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. It shows they are doing enrollment-based reductions, although I'm not sure exactly what they all are. And But I've been hearing from a lot of people about this, asking what are the enrollment-based reductions that they've had. A yeah. lot of people contacted me in the last week. Um, and, and there's just these factoids and trends that are hard to package. And you know, I think that's why the Joint Budget Subcommittee, Mr. Chairman, I think that's why almost the entire meeting was dedicated towards analyzing schools, special education, all a great conversation. But to be honest, I think from my perch, there's got to be a vision developed somewhere to deal with these inconvenient truths. Um, And I just feel like we're in this war of bullet points back and forth about per pupil cost versus this, what stats this. It's ideological based. It's not really a strategy. And I think there was a lack of a strategy even being conversed about. It was really just a lot of opinions. I wholeheartedly agree that, uh, uh, you know, we need to work towards developing a strategy that we currently do not have as to how we deal with our budgets going forward, Uh, whether it be this one coming, uh, but we also need to look out for the next three to five years as well, because we are not looking at, uh, or we cannot just look at 2024. We need to be looking at 25, 26, and 27 uh, because it, things are not changing. And in fact, they will be getting worse uh, as you know the, the state reimbursements dwindle uh, and they are continuing to. Uh, yeah, we did get a little boost, Jamie. What was it? A five thousand or nine thousand dollars? We lost nine thousand. <laughs> no, lost nine thousand in the state. Aid. Yeah. <laughs> the net, the net result. The net, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The net result was uh, losing nine thousand. Yeah, uh, which you know certainly could have been a lot worse. But I think it's just a trend. And to Jamie, to Jamie's point, uh, we sat through a a rather lengthy uh, joint budget subcommittee uh, meeting, and I think that's a good group. Uh, I do believe we need to meet more often during the course of the year. I here, do, here. <laughs> once, a, once a quarter, I think, is, uh, uh, I think would be very helpful for the participants because we don't get too many opportunities to ask the school administration many questions as well as the municipal part of town government. And we are one community. We are, you know, uh, to coin the phrase that uh, we've used and I've used many times, Mm -hmm. one community. We are one town. Uh, We are Franklin. And we need to work together to develop a budget strategy 
as we move forward. And we need the cooperation from all boards. We need the cooperation from the school committee and the school administration as well. They need the cooperation from the town administration and the different town departments. Yeah, I, I concur. Um, and to just add on to two points to that, uh, yeah, I, I fault the school committee specifically because their community relations committee has been relatively non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, they're planning for a legislative forum, but with all due respect to our legislators, we all know Chapter 70 and with the Student Opportunity Act redone, there's no help coming from there. The help was already built into the Student Opportunity Act by them keeping us whole <laughs> And addressing our two major needs in terms of the special ed circuit breaker and the transportation. We're not yeah. going to get much more there. So for them to put all their eggs in that basket, I'm sorry, that's just they, they need to do more helping us understand what their issues are. And they're not doing that. Second piece is in to pick up on Chair Mercer's point. It's not just this year. It's the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at redistricting. What are they doing? They're just kicking the can down the road. They're not looking at closing any additional buildings. Until was, perhaps after yeah. the November election, which, you know, that just kicks the can down the road. I'm sorry, we need action sooner. Yeah. So. Steve, I couldn't agree. And that was where my point was at the end of the meeting about the charter school reimbursement and assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, look, it, I, I understand, you know, it's 10 years ago when they applied to the state. No one from the school committee or the school department opposed the expansion of the charter school. Right. Um, and they kicked the can down the road. They ran away from the problem. They ran away from the fire. They knew exactly what was going to happen and this was going to get worse. Um, And it is now. And so what have we learned? Um, And I think the chair will agree with this. Like you can't just keep kicking everything down the road. It's just like deferred maintenance on Capitol buildings. The longer you wait, the more expensive it gets and and the more trouble you cause um, in terms of delays or building closures or whatever. And so ultimately, there needs to be a long-term strategy. And they have to also deal with the fact that there are some Al Gore inconvenient truths here. Mm-hmm. And some inconvenient truths are showing that we are spending a lot of money on public education. Uh, the town, uh, the municipal part of the budget actually does spend uh, well over $10 million of the, of the quote-unquote municipal part of the budget, which really isn't the municipal, but it's non-school, there's another 10 to 12 million in our budget that is paid for straight to do things for the school districts, whether it's custodians, mowing lawns, liability insurance, workers comp, GIC teacher insurance, you name it, right? And so so we need them engaged. And to be honest, I don't know if they are. No. I really don't. That's they need to be working, working with us and not on an island right. and they need to be working with other people and they need to admit that there's some very, very challenging dynamics here that that they can't fix on their own. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I'm sure the residents will appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Steve, and appreciate all the listeners for uh, tuning in. And to the listeners, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. 
Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.